Good morning, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Free K-12 Education Talk Radio. It's March 28, 2023. We have a show for you today with the National Association for Gifted Children. We've got Donna Campbell here, who's the chair of the NHEC Public Policy and Advocacy Committee, and Dave Cutler, my good buddy who I work with all the time, who's the director of government relations and public affairs over at NHEC. It's NHEC.org. You want to learn more about gifted children, go over there. They work very hard to make sure that these kids aren't looked over and uh, that we really do teach to their needs, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's really important. We're going to talk about advocacy and public pro- and policy, excuse me, policy priorities today. It might be advocacy week down there. We'll find out what's going on. Okay, with Dave and Donna, D&D, I might add. Okay, we're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org, ace-ed.org, our home website for the American Consortium for Equity in Education. I guess that's what this show is about, really. It's making sure every kid has the access to whatever they need. It's an equitable way to teach everybody. All right, we're going to archive at ace-ed.org to see a podcast link over there. There's, uh, you'll find every show we've ever done over there, and there's a lot of them to pick and choose from. Our magazine, Equity and Access, is over there, and then AGC helps us circulate it. Thank you so much to all of your members. And um, also, we do some work on teacher retention, social-emotional learning, etc. It's a nice website. I hope you go over everything we do over there for educators, and everybody listening really is free, okay? So please, including the magazine, et cetera, if you'd like a subscription, you'll see a subscription link over there. And I'll start off with David, usually ladies first, but I introduce David because I know him so well, I'll let him introduce Don. Dave, are you there? Hey, Larry, good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Where are you today? In, in D.C.? Yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm in D.C. Uh, yeah. Bright and sunny day. <laughs> Wish it was here up here in Maine. It's a little bit overcast today on the like what is it, the eighth day of spring or something like that up here. So it's good to, it's good to have you with us, Dave, as always. Okay, I'm glad you're here. here personally at AGC. Donna, well you want to introduce Donna or you want me to do it? David. Uh sure. I can introduce Donna. Yeah, uh, so we have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> This is Donna Campbell here. Uh, I've worked with Donna since day one here at NAGC for me. Uh, she is our chair of the uh, Public Policy and Advocacy Committee, uh, which is run by our lovely group of volunteers uh, to work on NAGC's policy priorities, take a look at what's uh, coming down the stream in terms of policy, uh, and, you know, whips us into shape each meeting. So that's, that's Donna. That's Donna. Hello, <laughs> Donna. I'm Larry. How you doing? Well, hello, Larry. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And are you in Arizona this morning? I am in Arizona. It's 6 o'clock in the morning, and it's still very dark. I was just going to ask you. Wow. Thank you for getting here. I appreciate that. Okay? I mean, you're not here in Maine, but thank you for getting up, having that early cup of coffee, and being with us today. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Okay? Yeah. Sure. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, really, I mean that. What what do you do these days? Uh, I know you're past president of the Arizona Association for Gifted and Talented, one of the state affiliates. Uh, Are you still teaching? What's going on in your your world, Donna? Well, if I tell you that I've been in the field for well over 40 years, that'll let you know that I'm probably retired, which I am (laughs) from. uh, (laughs) But I have... um, 
toward the end of my, my career, I've been a teacher, coordinator of gifted programs. Um, I have been a consultant in schools. And mm-hmm. uh, most recently, right before I retired, is I did a lot of professional learning for teachers around Good. the state of Arizona for um, gifted and talented education. And I got into advocacy through our state affiliate group. We started um, in 2008, maybe 2009. Uh, during the Great Recession, we, uh, the funding for gifted education was suspended in Arizona. And so we felt like we needed to get busy and try to bring that back. And this takes time, a lot of time. We've made little you know, steps forward and a couple steps backwards and over yep. time. But um, we've made some progress. So I got hooked on advocacy, yes. Well, thanks for doing that. I really appreciate it. And, you know, just from your point of view, and you, you worked all around Arizona, et cetera, you're chair of the committee. Just from your point of view, kind of, you don't just cite data or anything, but anecdotally, what do you, what's the, just give us the, what, what do you think the state of gifted education is these days? And I'll stick with Donna on this one. Donna? Sure. Well, for uh, what I have found um, now, having the privilege of being um, on the PPAC, um, for NAGC, around the country we have a, a horrific uh, lack of participation in gifted programs among our underserved populations. And this is, uh, you know, certainly wow. see it here in Arizona. And that's probably the number one issue that we're dealing with right now. That's too bad. And by the way, I love the acronyms PPHC. Okay, Public Policy <laughs> and Advocacy Committee. Welcome <laughs> to education. We, we, we know, yeah. I just wanted to make sure everybody, we don't need any more acronyms, please. You know, that's interesting to say that, particularly in Arizona and the underrepresented populations, which is an equity question, obviously, and an access question. Mm-hmm. I, 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 maybe I'm asking an obvious question here, but why do you think that is? Why does that always happen? It just seems to always happen. What's going on out there? No, it's crazy. Oh, boy. It never ends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, for us, uh, you probably know in Arizona we've had a history of um, marginalizing um, minorities. You're not and the only state, we, believe me. Uh, You're not the only state. Don't yeah. worry about that. Yeah, trust okay, me on that one. You. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. But it has been uh, over the years uh, really gotten uh, out of control. Um, our students who come to us from other countries and speak um, other languages, it's going to take them a little bit longer uh, to have to translate uh, when they first get here. But we we do see that they can catch up, um, especially our gifted children get, uh, catch up rather quickly. But it is, there's an assumption yeah. there that they will not qualify for uh, gifted programs. So why even bother trying to identify them? And that's, that's the assumption that we work against down here. And we're working really hard. We've instituted, and the state has approved funding for universal screening, which means every second grader in every school, whether it's charter or private well, or public, um, can be uh, assessed for gifted programs. Are there enough gifted programs? I'm, I'm, we're using Arizona because you're there. Believe me, I could put yeah. this in any state. Are there enough gifted programs for them? Definitely, definitely not. Um, the when we lost our funding in um, uh, 2008 or 2009, it was devastating to a lot of uh, districts. The larger districts survived, 
the rural districts, the smaller districts that um, are, you know, have difficulties. Anyway, uh, we're struggling very much uh, to keep their gifted programs alive. And some of them even um, just suspended their programs because they didn't have the resources. Um, their teachers had no way to be trained. Um, they weren't identifying students. I recall when I was president, I got a phone call from a rural district in Arizona who said, my, my superintendent says that we have to find our gifted kids, but really we don't have any. And that yeah. was a sad situation that they didn't know what to look for in yeah. a gifted student. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, and which, which brings to it, to, go ahead, please, finish up. Go ahead, done it. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. You sure? <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let me swing over to Dave. Dave, that's an interesting point that Donna just made. And this will segue into uh, what we're going to talk about with all the uh, national advocacy, et cetera. You know, the, the, the gifted programs were cut, and, I, and I'll bet you the reason for that is that the, the thought is, oh, these kids are gifted, they'll define on their own, who needs to put the money there? Okay, that's probably the reason. They can't be stupid enough. Nobody's stupid enough to think there are no gifted kids. They just think that there are their gifted ones will do fine on their own. Is that the attitude pretty much across the board? What's going on out there nationally with gifted, uh, with gifted kids as, as you guys start your advocacy in, in Washington? David. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think the attitude is that, you know, it's not a priority for a lot of our districts. Uh, and that's just unfortunately the case in states across the country. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any states or anybody who does gifted perfectly, and I'm, I'm sure Donna would agree mm. the answers now. Uh, so, you know, kind of making sure that our gifted kids have needs as well. You know, I certainly think that that attitude of, oh, yeah, you know, they're, they're smart, they'll do fine. Um, but you know they need those those extra services and that additional uh, that additional challenge in their coursework and structure whatever it might be to meet their uh, individual needs. So I think people overlook that for sure. Uh, yeah, and you know certainly. And, and by by the way, I'm not yeah. surprised that in Congress there they can't find any gifted people to, to deal with. So I'm not surprised at that. Okay, that was a joke. All right, you guys, you guys don't have to laugh. I'm laughing. Okay, okay. <laughs> I've never astounded in the old, just use Arizona, the Arizona legislature too. Okay. It's just, you know, people <laughs> do not understand the importance of this. And, you know, we used to go after this. There was the book, you know, back in the Kennedy administration, the best and the brightest. All right. And, and we used to cherish that. And somehow or other, it's gotten lost in the shuffle that we think these kids can handle it all by themselves, which brings me, before we go any further on the current advocacy, into teacher education. And, Don, I'm going to ask you, you were a teacher. Are they, you know, even if we find these kids and can identify them, do we have enough people to teach them properly? Who's going to do that? There aren't, are there enough? There's barely enough teachers, let alone enough gifted teachers. What's going on with that, Donna? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right there. There's um, <clears throat> in teacher uh, pre-service education in their undergraduate degrees. There's rarely anything more than a chapter in a book devoted to Maybe. gifted education. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's not a lot of information when they enter the classroom. I used to supervise student teachers out of ASU when I first moved here, and it was it it was very disheartening to see that um, my student teachers had actually nothing 
to help them even recognize gifted behaviors, let alone nurture those gifted behaviors and develop talents. And so we have a lot of work to do. And um, fortunately, there are some ways that now teacher um, districts can receive some funds, federal funds that can help with that. But it's only if they choose to do it. So it's a lack of pre-service education. It's a lack of districts stepping forward using the funds that are available to them to help their teachers understand gifted students and help them thrive. It's 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 just it's it's a vicious cycle, if I may. It just goes on and on and on, which brings me, okay, to the to your leadership and advocacy conference. All these challenges are out there, okay. And I'll swing over to Dave. Okay, uh, Dave, you can swing it back mm-hmm. to Donna if you want. But, but Dave, how did yeah. your, your, your leadership and advocacy conference, from your point of view, how did it all go? And I know it went well, if I may, for your members. I know they enjoyed themselves. <laughs> I know they learned a lot. I know they, they, they tried like hell to do a good job. I know that. Okay? Mm-hmm. But, yep. but, but and God bless them. Good for them. I appreciate all their efforts, including you, Donna. Okay. But okay, how did when when all said and done? I'll ask David this: How did it go? We march up the Capitol steps, okay, to talk to the non-gifted, if I may. That's my joke. Don't laugh. Okay, <laughs> what's going on? Great. Yeah, it was uh, it was great. You know, there was a lot of energy. There's a lot of excitement uh, going up to the hill. Um, as you said, of course, the the conference did go very well. Uh, very well attended by some excited advocates. But, uh, you know, our our last day of the conference was spent uh, going up to Capitol Hill and all of our participants, or most of our participants, met with their uh, members of Congress to ask for for increased Javits funding, which we can talk about, uh, as well as the uh, co-signing onto the upcoming Advanced Coursework Equity Act, which I know we've talked about on this program before, uh, talking about it again in the new Congress. Uh, so, you know, that went really well. I think there were some really positive conversations that I uh, heard back from our members that, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly of interest to a number of members of Congress, but as we're going to talk about, it's, it's going to be a difficult budget year. So we're, we're gearing up for a long time. Yeah. Donna, what are your thoughts on it? Okay, the, the conference, your leadership and advocacy conference itself. And again, you can yeah. talk about how it went, was internally and how did it go externally? Donna. Yes. Well, we had. Um, I was. I was thrilled to see how many new people came uh, to the conference. People keep coming yes. back because always new information. And then we always find those who bring someone along who hasn't been there before, which is critically important um, to help uh, guide new people to mentor them so that they can uh, step into the role of being an advocate. And it's always good for them to see. I think they go away with a lot of confidence that I can do this. They hear from people in Congress and uh, for the uh, state affiliates. They hear from their peers. It's an opportunity to network. And I really do think they can go back and feel like they can energize their people at home to become advocates. We work in grassroots advocacy, which is just you know, gathering as many people as we can that are like-minded, that um, have a passion for the issue of gifted education. And I do feel like uh, it's well worth the time and the effort um, to be able to be together and to learn from each other. And I think that's a takeaway. 
And Donna, let me ask you this, and it's kind of an interesting question. Who who are the advocates for gifted oh. education? And I'm, I'm going I'm, to give you a little list. You can talk about it. You know, is it the teachers? Is it the superintendents? Is it the parents of the kids? Is it the school board? I mean, we're always fighting the same fight. And I, I guarantee you the, the, the parents whose kids think they were – the parents of kids – the parents think the kids are gifted. I'm sure they're fighting for this, okay? But how uh, about the rest, the rest of the team, okay? The, 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 the state, the legislature, the school boards, the superintendents, where are we on all that? Right, right. Well, grassroots advocacy usually starts with the people closest to the student, and that would be the parents and the teachers who together recognize uh, problems and patterns of problems uh, within a system. And from there, um, what we recommend is that they, they go to the members of the system and they begin to um, do their homework. Who is a gifted kid? What are the behaviors? What are the characteristics? What are, what, are the, uh, what are the unique learning differences that gifted kids have? And educating, really, because many of our superintendents, school board members, they don't really know anything about gifted kids. That's right. Either, and that attitude, well, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. And um, clearly they won't, and enough data to back that up. So bring your homework. Um, you have to educate. That's the first thing. And tell your story. Tell your story about the child. You know, what's happening in the child's life? How is this affecting them if they're not being challenged, if they're bored in the classroom, if they're bullied by their peers? How does this affect the child's life, and how can we make a difference? What are some solutions? Um, so when we ask them, we don't just complain. We come with some solutions, too. Um, so that's, that's how it all begins, and it broadens from there. We get stakeholders, Chamber of Commerce. It, it starts being concerned about the quality of education, um, mm -hmm. In our state, uh, we've had, you know, certain industries that have moved here and they haven't been able to find enough qualified people to work there. And so we're dealing with some, some issues beyond elementary education. But who, who is eligible for college prep? How do we get these kids eligible to go to college um, so that they can qualify for some of these higher, highly skilled jobs? So that it kind of starts with the the grassroots and it expands from there. And 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 it has to. And uh, yeah, you know, your point is very well taken. The chamber of commerce, businesses, okay, we need the we need all kids. Let's be honest, but we need the brightest kids to excel. Okay, we got to tap into that. And somehow we keep missing the boat on this. Okay, and I, yeah. I just I, I, I don't know why we do that. Okay, and it's it it seems to me it used to be easier or something. Okay, but but something something and this is before COVID even something changed. Okay, somewhere yeah. over the course of time. Okay, something changed. I don't know what it is. All right, and we we just kind of let this go. And 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 uh, to me it's very it's very very important and. I, I, I just don't get it. And, you know, which brings up another point. You know, and I, I, I guess I'll start with David on this one. Dave, um, I know you have a report on State of the State. You can talk about that. But I'm curious about the impact of COVID on that, on gifted education mm -hmm. and the, the old learning loss and all that sort of stuff. What, what, what was, what's, what's going on with that, Dave? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, so in our latest State of the State report, the 2020-21 uh, 
state of the states which is available now on our website uh you know this was the first opportunity that we were able to ask specifically states about covid um so if you're not familiar with the report uh, it's a uh it's a very detailed report from data that we received directly from uh each state within the u.s including dc uh puerto rico uh and uh, i believe one more in the department of defense education this year uh so we asked them specifically you know to give us kind of their at least anecdotal evidence on COVID right now, yeah. since it's a little bit, it's a little difficult to get that hard data right now because we're still emerging from the pandemic. Uh, but we were able to really kind of see the positive and the negative. Uh, unsurprisingly, there there was a lot of negative. Uh, so when you're talking about access to uh, broadband services for a lot of our gifted and talented students in, in rural areas or underserved areas, that was a problem. Uh, just being able to identify students uh, was an issue during the pandemic. Obviously, it was much more difficult to, uh, you know, assess their work uh, accurately or even give um, some standardized tests that districts still use as part of their identification process. Uh, obviously, that was an issue in the in the middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then surprisingly, you know, we did see a couple positive uh, notes from state directors from across the country. Uh, there were mentions of increased collaboration and innovation, uh, being able to figure out ways to actually mm-hmm. reach those students. Uh, in the middle of the pandemic uh, and exploring new ways to, uh, you know, reach colleagues and work together, which I think, you know, is, is great. And hopefully we continue to see that. Um, and then hopefully in the next iteration of the State of the States report, which we're already starting to talk about, uh, you know, I think that's where we'll be able to get maybe some of that uh, hard data that we want on on learning loss, on identification, and those, those other issues that are important to gifted and how the pandemic really impacted us. Yeah, it's just got to be done. What are your thoughts on the COVID, the COVID challenge, Donna? Well, I think we learned a lot um, during COVID. And uh, for our gifted students who have an insatiable appetite for learning, uh, many of them were able to um, find their own way by piecing things together. Um, we yeah. found, you know, a huge increase in online learning, not just in the public schools, but, you know, there's a lot of companies that started online learning. Um, this met the needs of a lot of our gifted kids. Um, they were able to follow their passion and their interest, take the time to do that, and explore some things that they may not be able to have access to in the public school. Uh, so. I see it as um, COVID has awakened us. Um, our model of schooling prior to COVID was 1950s model where we were, yep. everybody was doing the thing. We were getting them ready for work in the factory. And we've yep. been doing that for yeah. all of these years. And now there's many, many choices, which I think in the end will serve gifted students um, to be able to uh, pick and choose and have our be still be enrolled in public school, but still have options uh, to, like I said, um, pursue their interest and their passion, learn from those kinds of things, have access to advanced coursework. Um, we we see we are seeing where we're leaving a lot of kids behind, and we have to find solutions for that because the regular school system, the way that we have it set up, is not working. It's really not, which brings me to a, to a question. I kind of just touched on it a minute ago. Uh, but I'm curious, Donna, just from your point of view, and I don't think I've ever asked this question of Dave or, or NAGC, what, just starting the st- step one, okay, 
What's the keystone, if I may? I don't know how to ask this question of teaching a gifted child. Is it access to a more rigorous course? Is it better socialization with the teachers? What's the what's that big thing that we have to do? The keystone thing in teaching a gifted kid. Does, I don't oh even know if, if, if school districts understand that. Okay, and I don't even know yeah. if there's an answer to that right. question. Okay, but right. what's what's, a, what, what's the what's the key thing that we need to do that we're obviously okay. missing? And you're pretty good at this, Donna, even at six twenty-five <laughs> in the morning. Right. Well, I I would say beyond finding gifted kids, um, gifted kids express their giftedness in different ways, and this is not always academic. You can be gifted in many different ways. Um, and also we've found that culturally there are different ways of expressing giftedness. Huh, so first of all, find those kids. We have to validate those gifts. We have to nurture those gifts and develop those talents from there. Well, in order to do that, you can't do that unless you have a trained teacher in the classroom who knows and understands all the, all the elements of all the different pieces of gifted. And, and if I can say that you can. from my own observation and data to support it, when you teach with gifted pedagogy, when you teach looking for the next challenge each child needs, you are raising the level of teaching and learning in the classroom for everybody, for sure. everybody, because you're looking at what next challenge does this student need and going beyond that. I also think Self-directed learning is extremely important. Project-based learning or problem-based learning, as it's called, yep. um, extremely important for gifted kids to learn how to access what they need. They're going to have to do this all their lives because nothing is, is created for them. So they're going to have to ask for what they need. And things like project-based learning really help them to become self-directed learners. You know, it's interesting. It reflects back to something you said before we were talking about before that's teacher education and the gifted, okay? It seems, it seems to me, and I may, I may be wrong here, but I think this is a good place to start. If we taught every future elementary school teacher about finding gifted kids, they could take a course in gifted education. There could be a full course in it, obviously, okay? For, but for every teacher, every elementary school teacher. And when they see that, if they start to see it, 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 it starts to at least get the ball moving. But if, if an elementary school teacher or an elementary school district can't find the gifted kids, okay, you we're just in the same milieu the whole time. We've got to break out of it and, and under, give, give it a better sense. What holds education schools back from plopping a course in there on, on gifted education? Uh, to me, it's important. You you discuss why it's so important, Donna. Mm-hmm. What holds them back? Mm-hmm. It's um, the question of, you know, it starts with teacher prep in their undergraduate. Yeah, um, exactly. That's what I mean. You know, they, they absolutely have to be exposed exactly. to gifted education. Yeah, that's absolutely critical. But we also have a disconnect. One, if elementary students are provided gifted programming, we have a real disconnect when they go to middle school and high school. I and agree. so there's, there's not availability of advanced coursework uh, that they need to have. And uh, when I say availability, I mean, of course, 
uh, we're missing the boat with our underserved populations. And I think that's, you know, one of the critical things, one of our legislative priorities is the Advanced Coursework Equity Act. Um, that is critically important to provide um, funds for teachers to be able to, or district schools to be able to implement um, uh, access to advanced coursework um, for all students. Yeah, so I think that's one of the yeah. we're, we're working on. I think is critically important. You should be. You should be. It's, you know, to me, and I'll, I say this all the time, it's all about rigor. And I know we're talking about gifted kids, but if you provide a rigorous education, kids will stand up. Okay? People underestimate yep. the learning power of kids, not just gifted kids, but kids. Okay? And yep. the more we push them, the more they will say thank you for pushing us. Okay? They, mm-hmm. they, they, stand, they stand up to that. And I just, I just don't understand why teacher education on the undergraduate level, like you were just saying, isn't pushing, you know, this as part, a major part of the education. And they need to do mm-hmm. this, if I may, with social-emotional learning as well. We ask teachers, okay, to do social-emotional learning without ever teaching them anything about it, okay, or how to do it. And it's the same thing right. with this. We're right. asking teachers to find gifted kids or, or be able to spot at least who they think is a gifted kid. Okay, without mm-hmm. any knowledge, you know, like you said, it's a chapter in a book, in in in, in a one in a two hundred two course or something. I mean, it's just it's just, mm-hmm. it's just unbelievable. Okay, and this stuff needs to be changed and addressed, and I think that's the level where it has to work. Because if if you get a grassroots roots movement running among the teachers, it's going to have a great effect, even as much as the parents do. Okay, Dave, I just wanted to talk about this for a second, and uh, what it, uh, I'm not sure I understand this. David, Javits yep. program, okay, what is the Javits yes. program, and how, do, what, how does it impact gifted ed? I just wanted to ask you this. Absolutely. David. Yeah, absolutely. Javits. Uh, so J- is that Javits? Jacob Javits, yeah. the old senator from New York? Yeah, that's, yeah Jacob, Jacob yeah. K. Javits. Um, so that Javits, the old of, Javits center. Yeah. The leaky old Javits <laughs> yeah. center, I might add, in New York. The leaky old Javits center, and then there's <laughs> yeah. the... Uh, there's the, there's the Javits Act. Uh, so that's the piece of legislation that's, uh, or, or a funding stream that's housed within the uh, Every Student Succeeds Act. Uh, and it's actually the only uh, dedicated funding stream for gifted and talented children at the federal level. Uh, this current fiscal year, we're working fiscal year 23 in Congress, uh, Congress appropriates funding for Javits. Uh, they funded it at $16.5 million. And, uh, I mean, Larry, that's out of a budget of, Almost eighty billion dollars to the Department of Education this year. Yeah, I, mean, I was so, just going to say. Yeah, you know, that's it's such a small percentage of a percentage. Yeah, it is. Of a percentage. Hard to believe, um, but it so, is. Yeah, yeah, and and this yeah. uh, this funding stream it's it provides uh, funds for uh, programs that are designed to identify and serve high ability students from historically underserved populations. Uh, so demonstration grants and research on uh, gifted and talented in those underserved areas. Um, it all comes from Javits funding. Uh, so it doesn't even, you know, directly, uh, you know, provide funding for, you know, programs or school districts or anything like that, like our other titles do from ESSA, uh, but just for demonstration grants and research, really. Uh, so we're really looking to expand that and ask our, our advocates to tell their members of Congress to increase this funding uh, to $56 million for next year, for fiscal year 24. From, from uh, 16 so that was, to 56. You know, one of our, our big ads, from 16 yeah, to from, 56. Boy, would that so, be nice, uh, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mil. 
Yeah, it would be. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, and that, I mean, that's, that's a dollar student in K-12 across the U.S., so it's not that big of an investment no, uh, that we're asking our members of Congress to make in our students. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, that was one of our big, you know, uh, policy asks uh, for the Leadership and Attitudes Conference. Uh, so we're pushing hard on that and, and still telling people to reach out, uh, particularly to their senators, uh, to sign on to a Dear Colleague letter, which is uh, basically just a, a letter that commits the uh, the senator to uh, providing the highest possible funding for Javits next year. Uh, so we're asking folks to tell their senators to sign on to that letter by April 7th. Uh, so please call your call your offices. Uh, there's information at uh, nagc.org forward slash lac23. Uh, and yeah, so that's one of our our you know our most important priorities right now legislatively. That's good. And uh, David, did you walk up to the hill and talk to anybody? I know, or have you, have you uh, done I, I that? Did not, I, I did not. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do that uh, pretty much throughout the week. <laughs> um, so we, you know, we we had our our members go, and uh, they were up there that day uh, working with their members. Okay. Of so, so Donna, and, and you I was there so for wait support. So Donna, Donna went right. Donna walked the steps. Uh, she went I up did. there. I did. I mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Donna, after you walked the steps, okay, and when and you try, I know you talked to a lot of their staff and all that sort of stuff. Really, did you get to the actual congressperson? Maybe you did. Right. I hope you did. But okay, then you talked to their staff. What was their reaction with all this? What 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 did they actually? say to you okay or do um, or whatever yeah yeah i um i happened to meet with um three we divided up from arizona our our little group from arizona divided them up and i met with um three uh in three offices of our our members of the house and um i met in two of them i met with staffers who had been there two weeks so my conversation was very much like we just had right here. We have yeah. to start at you know, square one and yeah. um, do a little bit of educating about gifted kids. What yeah. I find when I talk to the staffers is either I find a gifted kid sitting across from me who tells <laughs> me about their experience yeah. in school, or I find someone who is um, – uh, absolutely overwhelmed with all of this information, having no idea that all this was going on in the schools and there was a lack of funding and a lack of teacher training and they're writing things down as quickly as they can. And yet, um, in a couple of them, and I shared this with David, that um, at the end of our conversation, you know, they said, well, um, they had their one-liner that they were supposed to say to me, you know, that uh, we don't support uh, we don't support federally funded mandates uh, for education. I said, well, these are grants because we were talking about the Javits grants and the Advanced Coursework Equity Act, mm-hmm. and they were grants. And they said, well, we don't, you know, support federally funded mandates. And I said, these aren't mandates. So I had a little trouble this year <laughs> explaining things. On the other hand, I've been to offices where it's like, yeah, sign me up. You know, <laughs> you know I'm, sure, I'm sure our congressman will do that. Um, uh, we'll, you know, very good experiences, very good responses. But I think the interesting thing that I, and the point that I want to make is some of these staffers were gifted kids themselves. 
And they really have those kids, those staffers really have good questions. Um, it's really amazing to see how um, emotional they get that, wow, I wish that, hmm. you know, I wish something would happen when I was in school. Or here's one thing that happened to me that I really liked. Or I had a teacher who, and so just that gives me hope <laughs> that there are people on the Hill who definitely do understand um, the need for gifted education in our country. Oh, I, hope, I hope they follow up on it. I really do. You guys work so hard to try to help these kids, and it's important. And, and Donna made a good point. The uh, you know, uh, rising tide lifts all boats. Let's put it that way. Okay, it's good for yeah. everybody, and it's good for and yeah. it, it's really got to be more included into teacher education. I think that's one of the keys, and to get teachers to understand it. Okay, they might mm-hmm. think they understand it, but they really never taught much about it. All right, it's tough out there. It really is. You guys are doing mm-hmm. a good job, so keep up the good work, Donna. Thank you. It's six forty in the morning, so go have a good cup of coffee on us. Okay, <laughs> I out will. there. I- we appreciate it because it's 940 here, so we doubly appreciate it. Okay, you're getting up so yeah. early. David, thank you so much. Good show. Thank you, Larry. Oh, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Nice to meet you, Donna. You, you guys take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye. Take Bye-bye. care, Larry. Bye. Thanks, Dave. Bye, gang. Okay, well, Donna, Donna Campbell, charity NAGC, PPAC. <laughs> to use her words, another acronym, Public Policy and Advocacy Committee, and David Cutler, who's the uh, Director of Government Relations and Public Affairs for the National Association for Gifted Children, NAGC.org. We'll archive where we archive everything at ace-ed.org. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre K 12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.